With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Chance for Gabbiadini, yeah! His comments! Hello Rams fans and welcome to the latest in our weekly run-in pods during lockdown from Steve Bloomer's Washing the Derby County Fans Podcast. Chris is taking a well-earned week off so I am Richard Kutcher and with me and sounding fresh as ever is Tom Martin. Tom are you well? Yeah very good thanks and basking in the glory of uh, three straight post-lockdown wins. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Anton Martin, you enjoying your twice nightly Now TV binges? How are you doing? Yeah, all, all the better after that away win at Preston. But doing very well, thanks. Good stuff. Well, as ever, Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. And uh, Tom, we've been enjoying a few Derby Brewing beers over lockdown, haven't we? So uh, what have you made of the, the Derby beers we've been getting our way through? Yeah, some lovely beers. I've had two tonight. I've had a quintessential and it was a quintessential free kick from Wayne Rooney. And then business as usual. Perhaps it wasn't business as usual by Derby today, a clean sheet for the first time. But um very nice drops. I've particularly enjoyed the quintessential. So thanks very much to Derby Brewing Co. for those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, quintessential performance indeed. Well, we are recording immediately after Derby's resolute 1-0 victory against playoff rivals Preston North End, which leaves the Rams seventh and just one point behind sixth place Cardiff. I did say at the start of lock, of the post-lockdown period that Derby would need to win the first three games back to give ourselves a chance and boy do we have a chance. So we'll be discussing another turbulent 90 minutes as well for Tom Lawrence and previewing this weekend's East Midlands Derby. But to be honest there is only one place to start uh, tonight and that is the, the shocking news we all heard on Monday night that Andre Wisdom had been stabbed multiple times in an apparent robbery ultimately leaving him in intensive care and requiring surgery. Now, the good news is he was discharged on uh, Tuesday, we believe, and his brother, Deschel, posted a short video of Andre on Twitter showing him up uh, and walking about, which is which is really good to see. Uh, a horrendous thing for anyone to go through, and, and all of us at Steve Bloomer's Washington sends their regards to Andre and his family and you know, hope for a full and speedy recovery when, whenever that's possible. Anton, uh, it's certainly the most sobering and saddening part of a, of a really bizarre season for, for Derby County, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as, as you say, it's a, it's a horrendous thing to happen to anyone, really, regardless of whether they're famous or not, regardless of their gender or ethnicity. It, it's not something that, that you want to see. And, and I think that the country should be doing more to, to kind of crack down on these things. But when it does happen to someone that you know, um, and not that I know Wisdom personally, obviously, but I, I feel like I know him as part of Derby County Football Club and, and part of the Derby community, it, it does hit home a little bit harder and, and it does make you think. And, and all you can do really is is hope that 
Wiz and his family are okay. Um, obviously, the, the videos that have come out um, of him walking around his living room like an absolute warrior are really encouraging. And it looks like hopefully it's not long term or, or any lasting injury. But hopefully he, he can get back on the training ground really soon. Horrendous thing to happen. But um, just wishing all the best to his family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the response from the Derby County fan base has been incredible, however, as, as we probably expect. And while it shouldn't come as a surprise, to be honest, a rallying cry went out and in an effort to show support and solidarity with Andre, a fundraising page was set up to raise funds for a flag for wisdom. And the page has had an original target of £2,500, which was surpassed by Tuesday morning. And at the time of recording, it was pushing right up against £6,000, which is just incredible. So a real special shout out and well done to uh, Derby County fans, Kyle Guest, Tom Bishop, Jake Barker and Tyler Edmonds. Also our friend uh, Rams Writer Podcast for promoting the fundraiser as well. You know, the getting this organized so quickly, designing a flag and, and getting the word out. As I said, the last I saw, they're hoping to have the flag on show at the Brentford home match on Saturday, 11th of July. Tom, obviously a horrendous situation for everyone involved, but an incredible effort from the Derby County fan base and family, as Anton mentioned, to, to respond so quickly. Yeah, massive kudos to those guys uh, for talking about it and getting that organised. And fair play to all the Derby fans, uh, including Steve Bloomers Washington, who have contributed to that. Um, I really like the fact that they contacted Wisdom and uh, I think uh, Andre Wisdom's mum uh, got in touch and then they've uh, had some thanks from there. Um, and in addition to that, the extra money that's been raised, as you say, just short of £6,000 being raised at the moment, is going to go to uh, uh, the Deaf Derby FC and the Liverpool Homeless FC uh, to support them and their work and their their football clubs that they have uh, going. So credit to those involved. It's really nice to see the club and the supporters sort of rally around in this difficult time. And as Anton said, it's bad enough that this happens anyway. But when it happens to somebody that you you know, albeit in a sort of far away sense in the community of like the football club, yeah, it's totally shocking. And it, it really did have a, a big impact this week. But um, the fan base have responded fantastically. So I'm very impressed and a, a really nice touch that they've put together there. Yeah, here, here. Well, back to events on the pitch, and it's much better news. We've just sat through a convincing, if not thrilling, 1-0 win against Preston North End. That is the Rams' fifth win on the bounce. We remain top of the 2020 form table alongside Wigan Athletic. And as we all know, that is the real quiz. And it's the first time we've gone five in a row since autumn 2016 under Steve McLaren. And that ended fantastically, as we all know. Um, so Derby, Domin- Derby dominated the play for, for much of the first half. A Wayne Rooney direct free kick, ultimately the difference before a pretty underwhelming but, but solid second half saw us home. Anton, a win's a win at the moment, especially against a playoff rival. Were the Rams good value for three points? I think so. I, I think it was a very calm and controlled performance. Um, I mean, certainly first half, we were very comfortable on the ball. We didn't show signs of any pressure. Um, we we looked solid. A, a, again, the defensive kind of pivot in midfield of, of Bird and Rooney looked very comfortable, dictating play. Um, I thought Evans did well coming in and obviously in in slightly difficult circumstances but he he helped to to kind of control that play as well and I thought all all the all the players coming in in, including Knight and and Holmes did did really well in in just kind of controlling the ball especially in the first half It, it was quite interesting to see I mean we were speaking about it on on our whatsapp chat and over Zoom that it, it was quite interesting to see kind of Knight, Sibley and, and even Bird sometimes interchanging between those 
forward positions and it, it seemed really kind of fluid not sure whether that's just because they they kind of know each other really well from, from the youth setup or, or whether that's been worked on in the training ground but it, it, we looked really comfortable and I, I don't think even into the second half as, as Preston started pushing on I, I never felt like we were going to concede and I, I always felt like we were going to get those three points. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the first half was, was definitely derbies, the second half a, a little less so. Um, and we did dominate possession in a similar way to how we dominated against Millwall. Although I think actually at half time it was only 52%, which seems bizarre, but you know, I'm not, not going to question the statistics. It definitely felt like it had a lot more of the ball. It did seem, you know, Louis Sibley was involved again in the play, you know, even when he has a relatively quiet game, he's still all over the place and involved and gets lots of good touches, which is a great sign, Tom. It, it seemed like he was he was on the wrong side of the referee for, for most of that match, but he did win a rather soft free kick for the goal, I thought. And it, and it was just textbook Wazza, wasn't it, Tom, to uh, just ping it into the other corner that the goalkeeper wasn't expecting? Yeah, my initial reaction was that uh, I think it was Huntington, the, the Preston defender, had lent across him. But on, on second showing, I think it was a very soft free kick, which is probably the only time he got a referee's decision, the amount of times that Sibley went to challenge someone and seemed to concede a free kick for no reason. He got the free kick. And I have to say, me and you talked about it, Coach, as Anton said on Zoom, the goalkeeper's wall and positioning of that wall was was pretty shocking. I, I felt he needed to be further across to the left. Um, and then also to compound the error, he then takes the two steps to the left. He doesn't trust the wall. And you've got to just go, if someone bends a ball over the top of a wall into the top corner from that kind of distance, you've got to go, fair play, mate. That's a great goal. But to concede a goal to the near side, pretty much straight. And Rooney's found that spot perfectly. That is absolutely criminal from a goalkeeper. And Rooney's finish is, is a great strike, but um, Declan Rudd has got to look at himself and go, yeah, that's my that's my fault. And I, I should have had that covered. So a bit of a freebie in terms of the free kick, but I don't think the ref gave us too much. So in terms of the game, it evened it out. And the quality of Rooney, that's been the difference and the mistake uh, from Declan Rudd. Th- those two are the difference in that, in that game. And uh, I have to say, I do think Derby deserved it. Anton made some really good points about how how well Derby played. And despite the the sort of onslaught of high balls in the second half, I have to say I felt a bit comfortable about it and wasn't too nervous. You're always nervous because it's Derby, but but I, I did feel that we were going to do it today. And if you compare it to our previous 1-0 victory there, I think Tom Lawrence scored on maybe Easter Monday a few years ago when Gary Rowett Rowett was in charge. I think we had about 20% possession and two shots on target to their 25 or something. That was a much better Derby performance and we were solid and it really bodes well for the rest of this season and it bodes well for next year as well. I'm really excited by, by that solidity and the quality that was shown there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact it was such a it's such a makeshift team at the moment. I feel like it's almost been a makeshift team all season, to be honest, with the with the difficulties we've had with losing Richard Keogh early on, obviously Christian Bielek getting injured, um, you know, lots of young players coming in as and when they're needed and, and you know, increasingly just impressing and impressing. But the goal, as you mentioned, Tom, it was a really strange one. I, I was saying that I think it's, I almost feel like that goal was scored by Martin Waghorn taking a couple of free kicks in the last two games and you know us screaming at him and Derby for not letting Rain really take these free kicks. I think the goalkeeper must have been genuinely convinced that Waghorn was taking that or, or Wayne Rooney was putting it in the other corner because as you said, the, the wall was lined up all wrong. Rooney didn't even need to beat the wall. He actually passed it you know, to the side of the wall and into the corner and I think there's a Derby player in that gap and he moved out the way just before. So yeah, well worked, poor goalkeeping but I think I agree with you. I think it was just just 
shaded it derby i think for us we definitely had much more quality in the final third we did create good opportunities in the first half Dwayne Holmes missed an absolute sitter just by by getting his legs all wrong and and we've had a couple of really good moves and a couple of promising breakaways so just just lastly on the Preston game boys i thought that the options that Koku's got now although a lot of them are young players and quite inexperienced. He's got quite different types of midfielders to bring in. And it feels like, you know, Koku does understand the game, Anton. He knows how he wants to play. It feels like he's got a range of options there now, whether it's to close the game down or open it up and create more. He seems like he's got, apart from some really, really high quality wingers, Koku's got the option at his disposal to uh, to deal with most situations. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it was plain to see in in the wing position with with Lawrence being out and, and Knight coming in. Holmes was obviously coming in as well. So so two kind of completely fresh wingers from the game at the weekend, and and they fitted in perfectly. They they knew the system to play. They they had lots of energy, and and they really gave a lot to the team. What what's kind of been really interesting over the last few games is the way that. Koku shuffled it up at the back as we've gone into the latter stages of the game. I think, I think is it every game over the last couple of weeks, we've been one goal up and, and we've kind of moved to the five at the back. Curtis Davis has come on. Kudos to, to Davis, really. He's always looked solid, um, kind of doing a job at the back. But he's shown that flexibility of, of what we need at that time. I, I'm not always a fan of just putting defenders behind the ball, but it's not always been that. Despite the fact that we've gone five at the back, and, and kind of made it more solid. It's not like everyone's been sitting back. We've still been playing on the counter. We've still been getting men forward. So it's kind of relieved that pressure. And I really like that flexibility. And, and certainly today um, against Preston, we, we didn't look like conceding. I, I know Preston weren't great um, going forward, but um, I, I was very happy with our defensive performance and, and very comfortable, even in that last 15 minutes. I think Derby played really well today. And I think just solidity and a bit of like cohesion was there. Um, and I'm impressed with Koku because um, we're having to deal with quite a lot of issues. Like no one else has had to deal with a, a player getting sort of stabbed or, or like sort of an external injury, which is a horrific thing to go through. And then today during the game, your right back gets injured as well. Like it just seems to be constant throughout the season, but also since lockdown as well, we just have seen, seem to be not having the luck which um, teams need. Now, we could lose a player in centre midfield. I mean, arguably, if Max Bird's been great since the uh, turn of the year and possibly the player of the season, young player of the season, certainly, if he got injured, we know that we have Shinny to come in there. But the places that the players seem to be getting injured is where we haven't got any cover at centre-back and right-back. And that's had a real impact. But but Koku's managing it. And I think Derby as a team are managing it as well. Um, I was really impressed today. And I I agree with you, Cuts, from your comments in the intro. We had to win our first three games to really stand a chance. But my God, is it on. Uh, A couple of wins in the next next three or four. It gives us that breathing space that we can actually slip up. And there's still still a chance to get in there. But it makes me excited for next season if we don't make it this year. Because there is a lot of promise in that Derby team at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. There's, there's certainly a lot of promise in this Derby team. It's absolutely right that we get excited. I mean, the one area we don't have much promise at the moment is goalkeeper. And um, for all the stick that Ben Hamer got after the Reading game for his howler, and I know he did have one moment tonight where he tried to come and punch and didn't make it. I actually thought he didn't have a lot to do, but he did claim a few high balls in the box. He did get behind a few shots. And I just thought it was it was uh, it was nice to see Ben Hamer keep a clean sheet for his own confidence. I think it's going to be vital considering we're playing teams above us almost every single game, apart from the Birmingham City game, is 
is, is a game against a team above us. And I think it's vital he's got his, his confidence up. Ben Hamer, a, a clean sheet tonight, but one of the um, few poor performances, I thought, on Saturday against Reading. It was Derby's first outing at Pride Park uh, since lockdown. And it saw them collect another three points with goals from Tom Lawrence and a Wayne Rooney penalty after Waghorn was brought down in the box. It wasn't as impressive an attacking performance as the one against Millwall. And, and Reading were definitely much better organised than Millwall with a bit of a game plan. But I thought, again, we were just about worthy of the three points. Anton, what did you make of uh, Saturday's game? Yeah, I mean, as, as you say, it wasn't quite as an exciting performance as it was against Millwall. But that's purely due to the way that Reading set up. I, I thought, again, it, it was very kind of controlled display, similar to Preston. Um, the, the the main difference is that the Reading team kind of knew our key threats. They they had someone on Bird and Rooney pretty much throughout the game, which nullified those threats. But what was really interesting and really refreshing to see is that we had a bit of a backup plan for that. So Rooney certainly dropped very deep and Bird kind of pulled out wide a little bit, which created that space in the middle. And, and the likes of Wisdom certainly running through the middle, um, kind of Lawrence came central, um, Sibley dropped back. It was creating that space and we had kind of plan B, plan C to, to fill that gap and, and still knock it about really nicely. So we still looked a threat going forward. Again, first half was, was really strong, a, a little bit fortunate with two goals at the end. But again, we, we looked very comfortable. Every player seems to know what they're what they're supposed to be doing in the system. And, and even if it doesn't go perfectly to plan, there is a backup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought the opening goal from from Tom Lawrence actually really demonstrated the point you were making, uh, Anton, with Andre Wisdom. You know, apart from being a really slick move, Andre Wisdom, really impressive, walking out from the back, um, showcased. I, I thought the goal showcased a lot about how Tom Lawrence has matured this season, to be honest. It was it was really clever movement from him to move back inside and receive the cutback from Sibley, and Lawrence just side foots it into the top corner. I mean, it, Tom, it was a it was a lovely strike and not a cla- not a classic Tom Lawrence finish. We're so often used to him putting his laces for it into the and swerving it all over the place. Uh, I actually love that goal. Um, it's a classic sort of open your body up, right foot, and just sort of side foot into the top corner. The keeper had no chance. The, the old cliche: you could have had like five goalkeepers, you wouldn't have saved that one. Um, I don't like the cliche, but I I like the sentiment of that. That was <laughs> perfect from Derby. Wisdom stepping out was reminiscent of a Keo 2014, like marauding forward from yeah. the back, putting the pass well, in. Well, Keo 2019 against Leeds, Tom. We haven't got to go that far back. Oh well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I prefer it from 2014. It was the the, the time it really started in my head, I guess. But um, but yeah, the, the, that classic sort of charging forward and the little layoff from Sibley that also probably doesn't quite get the recognition because of the finish but the fact of the the awareness and the deafness of the touch because he's got two or three players around him and he just sets it perfectly Lawrence just strides into it and then straight away first time into the top corner and it was a great goal and yeah I love the fact that Tom Lawrence is, is scoring goals like that at the moment for Derby we can't talk about this game, obviously, without talking about Tom Lawrence. And I actually thought he had a much more active game against Reading than he did against Millwall. He looked one of our biggest threats throughout the game. He was much more involved in the play. But just in the last 10 minutes, you know, you could see something brewing between him and Matt Miazga, uh, which I probably pronounced wrong, but I don't care because he was an, obviously an idiot. And it all boiled over at the final whistle. Now, it should be said that Miazga was was by far the worst party, and certainly from what the pictures that I've seen, throwing two slaps or, or punches and, and grabbing Lawrence around the neck and trying to seem, seem like it tried to throw him over. 
Lawrence obviously puts his head in in between the middle of all that. And he just doesn't need to get involved, does he, Tom? He just doesn't need to walk over towards him at the final whistle. If he just walked off the pitch, as Philip Clockley said he should have done, then he would have been playing tonight and he would have played in, in the next two games. But he's, he's chucked the team under the bus, to be honest, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't actually necessarily have a problem with him going over there and giving him his, his two penneth. Um, my issue is that, yeah, okay, Miasco comes over and grabs him. That's the point you need to walk away. And that's the point he needs to like show that maturity and cleverness to get out of there. Because Miasco's actions are a disgrace. And I haven't followed this, so I don't know what his bands are. But if him and Lawrence have got the same, then that's disgusting. Because Miasco throws at least two slaps. They're pathetic if they are going to be Definitely cool. Definitely a slap, yeah. two, two slaps. He also grabs him by the throat. And Lawrence puts his head in there and he shouldn't. And that's stupid from Lawrence. And he, he fully deserves his three-match ban for that. But Lawrence can have, have the go, have the chirp, but then walk away. And he needs to do that. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to get wound up by players. And people like Matt Miazga, who are not good enough and fit enough to mark him, because Tom Lawrence is a, a good quality player and has the capability of being an excellent player, are going to wind him up and that's going to be his weakness and that's going to stop him from being a top-level player in the future. So it's really disappointing from Lawrence having seen such an excellent technical goal and also having seen him really turn his season around and maybe turn his derby career around in the last sort of six months. He's really matured into a great footballer, which we always thought he could be. And that sort of petulance is the thing that we don't want to see from him. Going back a few years to the, the Rotherham sending off, which I thought he was maybe a bit unlucky, but it was that lunge in for no apparent reason. It was a dangerous tackle uh, that he got himself sent off for. Lots of times you see Tom Lawrence just like, pushing the line too far and he needs to know where the line is and he needs to take a step back from that and just get to that point. And yeah, I don't have a problem with him having some a go at him, but I do have an issue with him getting his head involved. So pretty stupid for me. Yeah, and the reason I say he shouldn't have gone over there in the first place is because he obviously can't control himself. So that's why I say he shouldn't be going over there in the first place. If you know you can't control yourself in a, in a pent-up, passionate situation, then don't get involved in the first place. But Tom, my, my question to you is, whose punch was better? Was it Ben Hamer's or Matt Miazga's? I have to say, uh, Coach, <laughs> it's a difficult question because like Ben Hamer comes out and he uh, flaps at it. It doesn't go very far, but it does go further and probably would cause more damage than Matt Miazga. So I'm going to go Ben Hamer. Okay, all right. Well, definitely more, definitely more of a fist in in Ben Hamer's, but not a particularly useful one. It was a lettuce, a lettuce fist. Yeah, a lettuce for, for sure. I mean, I don't think. I think maybe I was a bit harsh on Lawrence to begin with. I think he's he's stupid for getting involved, but. All credit to Tom Lawrence. The first half of Lawrence's season was littered with yellow cards. I mean, he'd, he'd already been suspended twice for collecting yellow cards, but there's definitely been signs of improvement in that area. You know, in the last in the last four or five months, no yellow cards in the previous eleven appearances before Reading. So I do have some sympathy for him for, for getting his act together. He's been brilliant since the turn of the year, and we've been able to enjoy the good parts of his game with much less of the frustration. But you know, Cocky didn't hold back in his post-match thoughts. You know, Cocky seemed really fuming, said he didn't talk to Lawrence about it after the game. He's going to wait to the morning after to have a meeting with him and this is the quotes that he said he said it is something i'm really disappointed about and upset and after a win and a great goal he scored this cannot happen so he's let the team down you have to avoid being in that kind of position after the game and after you get a win the three points and your goal that is what should be on your mind and nothing else so Koku is obviously disappointed and we've won four games during his earlier suspension and we won tonight of course without him Anton did, did we miss him tonight and how much of a loss do you think he will be for the, for the next two games which obviously are, are much tougher games I don't think we necessarily missed him tonight I agree that he's been kind of much improved certainly in that it kind of this season, but certainly in the second half of the season. And he, he's been a 
one of our top performers throughout the season. But I think in in Jason Knight and, and Dwayne Holmes, we we have some really reliable options in, in that position. Um, Jason Knight came in today and, and did really well. He always works really hard, and he, he's got the technical ability and the drive to to kind of get into the box and score goals as well. So, although Tom Lawrence will be missed for for kind of certain attributes that he brings in terms of his skill and, and his ability to score goals. I think we've got cover there. So it's a shame that we don't have him available, especially as, as the schedule starts to ramp up in terms of the number of games. We'll, we'll have a midweek game every week, I think, for the, for the rest of the season. So it's a shame that you don't have the options. I think we've got plenty of cover there and, and I feel confident that, that we'll, we'll still be as good a team without him. Well, after the break, we're going to be discussing another Tom who unfortunately probably would not be playing another game for Derby County, and that is one super Tommy Huddleston. We'll also hear your thoughts on the potential behind closed doors playoff campaign and hear from the boys on what they think our chances are to make the top six. Stay there. This could be Derby's last chance of an equaliser. Four pockets for them with a cross. Jones stretches and it's in! What a finish! Mikel Beck in the dying seconds of stoppage time has given Derby a point and there's the final whistle. It's all over. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So welcome back Rams fans and we'll start off the second half to take a few moments just to Think about the good times regarding Tom Huddleston. It was announced uh, this morning, I think, that Tom Huddleston uh, will not be renewing his contract with Derby County, but he will be continuing to train with the Rams while I think he looks for a new club, which uh, I think is, is great and showing that obviously it's ending all on good terms, which is which is really good to see with such a club man like Tom Huddleston. For me, you know, I'd be interested to hear what your favourite memories are, boys. For me, it's watching him in his first spell of us, particularly, you know, playing alongside Inigo Idiarquez and George Birdie's team. I remember being so struck by the by the size of him, the sheer size of him breaking through as a 16-year-old. He was almost a complete player then, I thought, you know, with his touch, composure and passing rage. It, it was it was amazing. And I make it 167 appearances for Derby over his two spells. First one being 2002-2005 when, to be honest, back then I was convinced he'd go on to be a 50-cap England player. Um, obviously, there's a great generation of England fielders at that time coming through and he probably never quite had the pace to make it on the international scene. And then, and then of course, he came back for his second spell in 2017. Now, a bit of an odd memory for me and it's probably not one that anyone's ever thought of, but it's not particularly a happy one because in that second leg versus Billy Davis's Preston, we, we ended up losing and I was sat in the West Stand lower and I think Huddleston must have been off the pitch receiving treatment or something but it was right in front of me because I think Preston scored and Huddleston had a water bottle in his hand and he absolutely threw it down and belted it onto the floor and it bounced right up and he just realized how bloody huge this teenager was and yeah a bit of an odd niche memory but it's one that's always stuck with me Tom what's your what's your favorite of the T-Huds memories that's a that's a classic memory I do remember that game uh, (laughs) badly unfortunately I do, I do love watching Huddleston, especially in the early part. But my, my two memories I was going to mention to begin with were a bit more negative. Huddleston was born in December 1986, so he's a couple of months older than me. And he was the first person that I watched live who was the same school year as me. And it was the realisation that I knew I was never going to make it as a footballer. I mean, of course, I was never going to make it, but it was that realisation that 
he could sit next to me at school and yet yeah, I'm watching him play football and Derby are getting smashed 3-0 by Barry Hales's hat-trick with, of headers at Pride Park. But yeah, he could still be sitting next to me at school. So that was my first one. And the second one was the fact that he played, what, something like 70 or 80 games for Derby in that first spell, never scored a goal. And I think he made his debut for yeah, Wolves yeah. at Pride Park on a Friday night on TV. And he scored the first goal and his first first senior goal and it was a 3-0 home defeat. So actually a bit negative in there, but actually a more positive one more recently, just watching the uh, tactical flexibility that Koku had and seeing Huddleston and Rooney absolutely destroy Palace in January. It was just phenomenal watching his Ranger passing that day. And he matched Rooney pass for pass. And I thought it was just incredible to see how, how technically good he was. And also one last one, actually, I've just thought of it. There was a goal he scored for Spurs, I think away at Man City, where he absolutely belted it from 30 yards on the half volley and it just hammered into the bottom corner. Just a technically great player. And as you say, Kutch, I'm surprised he didn't get more caps for England. Um, and what a great player he's been over his career. I'm sure he'll look back on it fondly. I'm a little bit younger than you boys. Um, so I'm, the, the memories of Hudson's first spell aren't so vivid for me, but certainly from his second spell, the, the game at Palace that you mentioned, Tom, I, I definitely stands out in my memory. That that double pivot of Huddleston and Rooney just spraying balls about 40 yards from, from side to side was it really epitomised the way that Huddleston played at, at kind of three miles an hour, so comfortable on the ball, knocking it about. Really delightful to see when he was kind of in his element. <laughs> the, the other slightly funny and probably slightly negative memory that I'll never forget is his penalty this season when he uh, scored and then did his hamstring. Kind of Huddleston <laughs> in, in two different ways, those two memories. Some some great memories there from Huddleston. And it's probably because he didn't score loads of goals and he didn't like have that obvious influence on games that you don't remember what he did. But I, I think he's been a great player throughout his career. And he's like a, for me, he's a bit of a, a modern day Derby legend. The fact he came back to the club, I was delighted to see him come back. Um, and I remember him very fondly and I really wish him all the best. And it's a shame that the circumstances have probably dictated the fact that he's not going to get a contract for next season. And I'll, I'll look forward to watching him wherever he is next year, playing playing wherever and hopefully not scoring against Derby. Yeah, that, that would be classic, wouldn't it, if he ended up... <laughs> at least he did score, I think, three goals in his second spell with us, but it would be classic if he did come and score against us next season. But I'm sure, you know, I think he's got his eye on coaching. I think that was part of the negotiations, but potentially if he did stay, he might start coaching. But, you know, Philip Cocker's coaching staff, particularly with Wayne Rooney being more involved next season, is looking pretty full. But, you know, I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Huddleston turn back at Derby in some capacity in the future, maybe a role in the academy. I think he'd be a brilliant person for people to learn off well. You know, I guess on with the team that we've currently got and the big games are really coming thick and fast now and we're going to need to continue picking up wins in some really tough matches all against teams above us. Forest have just beaten Bristol City tonight as we record. So we do remain seven points behind the Red Dogs. I think it's probably unlikely we're going to catch them up on the table, but you know, a win against them I think will be vital or at least a point will be vital on Saturday. Anton, we would have been at this game in a pre-COVID-19 world. Do you think it being behind closed doors Will, will kind of dampen the meaning of the East Midlands derby at all? I don't think it will dampen the meaning of the East Midlands derby. I, I think the, the rivalry is so embedded in the two clubs that despite the fans not being there, there'll still be that slight edge on the pitch and, and the players will still 
have the the same feeling that, that a derby game brings. Obviously, not having the fans there will, will make it not quite the same and kind of certain elements of the game will be slightly different. But I, I think it will still have a derby feel to it. I, I think the, the team's positions will probably help that as well, given that it's, it's two sides pushing for the playoffs. Um, really important game outside of the rivalry. I think it will still be a, a really feisty game. Um, and hopefully an enjoyable one and, and hopefully a, a positive one for Derby. I, I'm feeling fairly confident about it, I, I would say. Probably more confident than I have in most of the previous games over the last year or two. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how you boys are feeling. Yeah, I don't know, actually. I, I've got a bit of a bad feeling about Saturday because we are the form team. And as we know, form book goes out the window, that, that cliche, but it's often true in a local derby. You know, obviously you take away the fans' aspect. I think there still will be an edge to it, as you said. You know, I think, was it Luton-Swansea on Saturday, which looked like a really passionate game. It was like a 20-second spell of, of foul after foul after foul and the referee let it go, which was brilliant. Uh, but it, that did boil over. And, uh, you know, Derby's game against Reading board over at the end. So just because there's no fans there, I think there still will be an edge. I think Forrest will be coming to Derby looking to give it an edge, to be honest. Derby are the ones playing much better football at the moment. I can't say I've watched a lot of Forrest myself. You know, live matches, I've seen highlights, of course. They they look well organised. Um, they've got, you know, a decent defensive record uh, this season compared to the rest of the teams around them. They can see a 12 less goals than us. I think they'll be well organised. You know, Reading came to Derby on Saturday and were well organised. Now we've got two goals just before half-time. And as we said, I think we're a good value for the win, but Forrest will have a game plan. And they, unlike Reading, they do have the quality up top to hurt us. So I'm a little bit worried we might get done over on Saturday, uh, particularly as we're missing Tom Lawrence, we'll be missing Andre Wisdom. You know, we can get by, I think, at the moment against some of these teams who are a bit more limited. And, and let's be honest, Reading, Preston and Millwall are all limited. I think Forrest might do us over. I'm a bit worried. Tom, how, how do you see it playing out? Forrest have been pretty consistently top six all season without blowing the league away, to be honest. But how, how do you see it playing out? How confident are you? Yeah, I think um, I think Forrest have had a good season. Uh, it could be the first time that they finish ahead of us for a good number of years. Um, they've had Lewis Graben up front, who just scores goals. He's a quality player at this level, and I think um, who will miss the most is not not Tom Lawrence, it's Andre Wisdom on on Saturday. And I also think if we uh, haven't got Jaden Bogle and we've got to put someone like Max Lowe at right back, um, I think we might might struggle down that left flank for Forrest too. Um, but on the flip side, yes, okay, Forrest have been. Uh, been in reasonably good form and they've obviously had um, they've been in the top six pretty much all the way through this season they got absolutely pumped by Millwall just before uh, lockdown and they've uh, picked up a win and a draw since lockdown but they've not been maybe in the uh, the best form they really had a chance of pushing on towards the top two and they've just sort of fallen away from that despite West Brom's struggles they're still five points adrift of them uh, and they've picked up more points in the last sort of four or five games. So it's one of those games, actually, I think, that Derby haven't scored against Forrest since, I think, David Nugent under Gary Vowett. So it's been a long time, and we, we need to score against them. And I think this is the kind of game of the unusual situation and the real, like, everything's sort of been going against us, but then we've been having a bit of luck and the results have gone for us. And I could just see it, just see it being like a positive thing where we can go into that game. And if we score first, I, I feel that we'll win it. However, I do think that Forrest has got a lot of quality going forward. As I mentioned, Lewis Graben, um, he's one of the top scorers in the championship, if, if not the top scorer in the championship at the moment. I think he'll be a real handful for whoever plays at centre-half. And I actually think Curtis Davis will come in on Saturday rather than coming in tonight uh, because I don't think Nugent would cause him the same problems and cause Evans the same problems as what um, 
what someone like Graben would do on Saturday. So I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit on the fence, unfortunately, but um, I can see Derby winning if we score first. I totally agree with you, Tom, in terms of the defensive side of things that I'm, I'm slightly concerned about because with the likes of Graben and, and Lolly, they do take their chances and, and have taken their chances this season. So if we do give them a sniff, that's where they'll they'll step in and, and kind of get ahead. I was going to say the same thing about Curtis Davis. I wonder if, if he might be better suited to this game over George Evans. It'll be interesting to see what Koku goes with and kind of fully trust what, what he he does decide in the end. Um, I, I think the the Forest kind of game plan might suit us though in a way in, in the sense that they do sit back and kind of slow the game down and, and rely on the, the odd counter and, and kind of getting the, the odd goal from, from very little position. We've looked very good on the ball in the last few games with Rooney and Bird and, and all of the other midfielders kind of controlling the game. I think we we have the patience to kind of wait for those opportunities. Although Forest have been very well set up and, and they concede very few goals. I, I think we have the patience to wait for those opportunities and, and the, the flair in it with the likes of Sibley um, and Knight going forward that we, we can break them down. And as, as you say, Tom, that first goal will be hugely important. But as long as we stay calm and, and stay relaxed and, and kind of play the way we have over the last few games, I feel like we, we can get something out of Saturday. Just uh, yeah, just to add to that as well, I think uh, it could come down to how well the defence is and in particular the goalkeepers play. Now, Bryce Samba had a brilliant start to the season, but over the February-March period, he had a few absolute stinkers. And we all know what Ben Hamer, or, or Kelleroos, but Ben Hamer is capable of at times. And he had a solid game tonight uh, away at Preston. If Hamer has a has a solid game and Bryce Samba does not, that could really prove the difference. And I think we'll be watching those goalkeepers and I think a mistake could really swing it. It's not going to be pretty. Um, I think both teams are going to sit back and I really think it would just be one uh, one goal either way, 1-0 or 2-1. Um, but I think actually I, I would take a point. I think a, a point would be a decent point on Saturday um, just to keep in touch. And even if we... Uh, if Cardiff do manage to beat, I think they've got Bristol City perhaps on this weekend. That's a big derby game for them as well. I don't think that's a. I don't think we'd be in a bad position if we take a point on Saturday. Yeah, well, look, I hope. You know, I, I hope. To, hope I can share your optimism, boys. I mean, Tom mentioned the thing there that Jaden Bogle. We don't know the extent of his injury yet, and that particularly, you know, just to re-emphasize us missing Andre Wisdom. You know, if Bogle is out, then it's going to be a, a, a tough challenge to find someone to play there. We know Max Lowe has played there previously and did end up there tonight, so maybe Max Lowe comes in. But I think Bogle would be a big miss. I think he's, he's he's been playing well since the since coming back, and he gives us that natural width on the right that which we really do lack. Whoever we play out there, we'll see. You know, we've been really impressive since the turn of the year. We couldn't have asked for any more from this Derby County team since January the first. Top of the 2020 form table. I said, you know, in my script I've written before tonight, we're still top of the 2020 form table, which is incredible. And I still think, I still think it's a huge ask to get into the playoffs with the remaining fixtures we have. Just to re-emphasize, though, how much better we've been since the turn of this year. It took us 25 games to collect our first 30 points and just 15 games to collect the second 30 points, meaning we're now on 16 points and something that Chris has just sent us I think uh, Sky Sports put this up either during the game or just after the game but Lampard and Koku's Derby County record at this stage of the season after this many games is identical 
won 16, drawn 12, lost 12. Goals scored 55 both seasons up to this point. And just we've conceded two more goals this season, 52, than Lampard's did 50. And, and both teams have 60 points after 40 matches. Tom, I mean, I think that just highlights how much of an incredible job Philip Kopku has done in comparison to, to Frank Lampard last season. And I thought, I thought Frank did a good job last season, considering that he's been without Richard Keogh for most of the season. He had that whole thing to deal with. Harry Wilson and Mason Mount are much further along in their development when they came to Derby last season. And Takeo Tamore is a much better centre-back than Matthew Clark in my opinion. The, the squads are incomparable, uh, the one that Cockers had to deal with and what Frank Lampard had to deal with. Just a quick word, Tom, you know, how much does that show what a, a different type of class of manager we've got in charge now? Yeah, um, totally. I think with Philip Cocu last year, we may well have got promoted. Just a, a few times the naivety of Frank because he was learning. It really cost us at times. I think the, the Villa game in particular, the playoff final, of course, like starting starting Mason Bennett up front. Just on Jaden Bogle, um, Philip Koku's comments afterwards, uh, after the game against Preston, he said, um, he's got a problem in his knee, but we'll assess him and we hope he can play uh, the game on Saturday. So it seems like the, the injury wasn't too bad. It may just be a twinge, maybe a little bit of a niggle. Um, so there is still a possibility that he will play on Saturday, but at least it seems like they're not concerned that it's going to be a long-term injury at this time. But obviously, we'll have to see how that goes. So hopefully, we we'll see Jaden on Saturday, and fair play to Koku for the effort that he's put in, despite the difficulties that we've seen this season um, and the absolutely extraordinary circumstances he's had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't want to do Lampard too much of a disservice because I, I, I know it ended in a bit of a sour note but it was a thoroughly enjoyable season last year and and, and we did have some magical moments so I, I, I don't want to kind of put Frank down too much but Koku certainly brought a different class to proceedings at Derby he's had so many issues this year and, and to come out of it um, as you've been mentioning Kutch with, with a, a very similar record is absolute testament to, to what he's brought He's brought so many young players into the side. He, he's lost those three key loan players that we had last year. And looking ahead to next season, I, I know we've still got a, a, a really good chance of the playoffs, but looking ahead to next season, there are only positives that you, could, you can bring out of this team and, and the coaching staff. So in, in a couple of words, boys, uh, Tom first, as a percentage, what chance do you give us getting top six? It's a tough question. I still think we are... Uh, massively outsiders. We've had a, a, a good run and we've had a lot of results go our way. So it's still less than 50%. Uh, I would go 40% chance of us getting top six from this position, one point behind Cardiff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably even less than that, to be honest, given the number of teams around the top six. Um, we are obviously the form team, but things can change so quickly in the championship and, and our running is, is tough. Who knows? I mean, we, we, if we get a result against Forest and, and we pick up something against West Brom, then it, it's definitely on. But there, there are so many teams in and around. It's probably kind of less than 30%, I would say. Oh, yeah, that is uh, that is low. That is lower than I thought you both were going to say. Tom, you got nothing to say? Yeah, I, I just think um, the reason why I went 40, Anton, rather than like lower, I know we're playing a lot of the teams that are at the top there, but... If you think that, obviously, it's a real advantage to have uh, your crowd for you for the Derby Forest game, but then at the same time, that pressure builds when there is such pressure like on Derby sort of playing. And the way that Derby have played over the last three games has been very relaxed. 
Um, and I think that could like go to our advantage. And you're actually seeing it. The teams that are in the form since the lockdown has ended have been those teams that have sort of had to play with no pressure. No one expected Brentford to be the team that would be challenging the top two of Leeds and West Brom. But yet Brentford have been going places and, and taking results. And they're the team that I'd be worried about playing. Yes, we're playing Leeds. Yes, we're playing West Brom. Yes, we're playing like Cardiff and stuff like that. I feel that in, in behind closed doors, we could we could take some of those teams. Like we we can and have the capability of, of of taking some of those teams and actually putting off results that maybe we wouldn't expect to do in a normal circumstance. And that's why I put it as high as forty percent. But yeah, I do think we're still outsiders. Um, and the longer we remain outsiders, for me, the better. It'd be the most Derby County of things to uh, sneak in and sixth, and then do one of the two things: win at Wembley or get a points deduction, so we get removed from the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point, Tom, about <laughs> about Brentford. I'm just, I've got the form table in front of me, just the BBC one of the last five matches, and you're absolutely right. Brentford have won the last their last four games. Obviously, we've run the last five games. Brentford have won the last four games. West Brom haven't won in four games. I mean, that, that race is really hotting up uh, for, for second place, probably just between Brentford and West Brom Forest and, and Fulham with an outside chance. And you're right, I wouldn't want to be playing Brentford in the next next six games and they're the one team we're not playing, you know, from, from that top six. So that, that's something to, uh, to count ourselves lucky for at least. Well, let's say that we do make it all the way. We overturn those horrendous odds that Anton and Tom have just given us. And uh, obviously playing a playoff campaign and and potential final behind closed doors would be odd and, in my opinion, pretty depressing, uh, to be honest. But we asked uh, our listeners on Twitter whether they'd want to, to go up regardless uh, of crowds or not, or, ra- or they'd rather wait for when crowds can witness it happen. And as ever, we had a, we had a great response from our listeners on Twitter. Aaron Clark said, probably unpopular, but I'd hate to get promoted behind closed doors. Half of football is enjoying it with the others, hugging randomers in celebration, etc. Can't disagree with that. And much prefer to get close than try again next year. Jakey McJayface said, Derby being promoted at an empty Wembley is the most Derby thing ever and would cap off this mental season perfectly. Uh, Tom Newton said, get promoted. The young players will stay and learn. Rooney's swung song to teach them as long as we play good football and get more than 11 points. Tom, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Um, FPL, who's your captain? An interesting uh, Twitter handle said, if we approach it like Norwich did, I will be fine. No pressure on Koku to stay up. We'll be well ahead of schedule if we managed it. Sort the finances out and make the club stronger in the long term. Andrew Down says, always take promotion, whatever the circumstances. I do tend to agree with that. Uh, and Claire said, I'd much rather we got promoted next season. I think it's still a bit too early and I'd much rather be there to experience it and celebrate again. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. Of course, we'd all rather be there to see it happen. And if you could guarantee we'd do it next season with all the fans present, you'd obviously take it. But how many times have we gone close in a season, whether it's losing the playoff final or the semi-finals, or had or had a promising finish to the season like this one and thought, you know, maybe we can go a step further a year later and then it's not materialized. Like football is not that easy to guarantee. A lot of those commenting made the very valid point that another another season for these youngsters in the championship would do us a lot of good. I also don't think Wayne Rooney would have any impact whatsoever in the Premier League and in, in the role he plays. You know, these youngsters would have another year under Koku, another year alongside Wayne Rooney, and we would certainly be better prepared for promotion as, as a result. But Anton, there's there's no guarantee, is there? That you, you you've just got to take it when it comes. Exactly. I mean, there, there are. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost a win-win situation for Derby. If, if we do 
kind of do the unthinkable and get promoted this season, we'll absolutely take it. We'll love it. We'll we'll still celebrate despite kind of lockdown, and we'll we'll have some great memories. I'm sure, hopefully, from a Premier League season, but. If it it doesn't happen, then as you say, that there's time for these young players to grow, and potentially we will be better suited to it next season. I wouldn't want to say that I would like to have a, another promotion push next season because there are no guarantees. You you, you don't know what's going to happen in the championship. Anyone can beat anyone. I know it's a cliche, but you you see that by all the big teams down there in the championship this season. So whatever happens, um, you've got to take it. But I, I don't think there's, there's a bad scenario for Derby this season. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. And of course, we're, we're getting very much ahead of ourselves. We're not even in the playoffs yet. Um, but one thing I'd also caution against is it's a very quick turnaround between now, between the end of this season and the start of next season. And the transfer market will be even harder to navigate so it's going to be a tough time but as I said getting way ahead of ourselves let's look forward to an East Midlands derby and that's all we've got time for this week uh, thank you for joining us we'll be back again in seven days most probably uh, similarly uh, to tonight straight after the West Brom away match but to be confirmed Tom I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to finishing off those uh, derby brewery beers thank you for, for being on with us tonight yeah all the best and Anton thanks for uh, dropping by cheers lads see you next time Rams fans and and enjoy the East Midlands Derby.